0: Hello and welcome to this podcast of the office of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation in Cyprus on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on Cyprus, as well as Cyprus as a new migration hotspot. My name is Hubert Faustmann. I'm the director of the office of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation in Cyprus. And I have a distinguished guest, an expert here with me today. It's Nikos trimik He is professor for sociology and law at the University of of Nicosia, but he's also the director of the Center for Fundamental Rights in Cyprus, which amongst other duties reports on the human rights situation in Cyprus. Hello Nikos. Hello. Um, Just as a general introduction, last year in Cyprus there were more than 13,000 asylum applications making the island uh, per head of inhabitants, the, number, the country with the highest number of applicants in the European Union, and the talk about a new hotspot and a new migration crisis occurred, and Cypriot politicians were crying for help. A peculiarity within this situation was that Cyprus, a divided island since 1974, where the Turkish Cypriots live since the Turkish invasion of 1974 in the north, and Greek Cypriots live in the south and represent the internationally recognized Republic of Cyprus which is a member state of the EU in the north, the acquis communautaire, the rules and regulations are suspended. So we have a peculiarity here, a Cyprus problem here, and that interfered with the crisis in such that many of them, but not all, arrived by plane from Turkey or by ship in the north and then were transferred into the south, adding a peculiar dimension to uh, this issue. Uh, Nikos wrote a report for us on Cyprus as a new refugee hotspot in Europe with a question mark. uh, You can find the report on our website. That's fescyprus.org. And today we want to talk about the report, the situation of migrants in Cyprus, but also on the recent developments. What what has the coronavirus crisis uh, in Cyprus done to migrants and to the situation of migrants? So let's start with last year's developments. Why this sudden surge in numbers. And why actually not earlier? Because if you look on the map, you would expect Cyprus being close to Syria, the island, to be flooded with refugees in particular from that area of the world, uh, much, much earlier.
1: Yes, uh, we had uh, the peculiarity with Cyprus is that it was um, a country which wasn't hit by the so-called European migration crisis or asylum crisis that happened much earlier. In those days, there was actually a reduction in the numbers because most um, asylum seekers uh, coming from different countries, uh, from Middle East primarily, but also from Africa, um, were preferred to go, they want to go to Europe uh, directly, to go to Central and Northern Europe, rather than come to uh, via Cyprus. So there, there wasn't an increase, there was actually a reduction. It was after the economic crisis, and, uh, which hit Cyprus rather late. Uh, so in those year, years, Cyprus was not badly hit. Now, we had uh, an increase um, which has been gradually growing once the, there was a closure uh, of the other routes towards the EU. And this has made uh, Cyprus, I mean, there was an international, inter, many international coverage, New York Times, others were actually saying that is Cyprus becoming, well, we're actually asking, is Cyprus becoming uh, the um, the route towards the EU? Um, this is not what we found in our report. There has been a massive increase in Cyprus uh, gradually growing and then reaching the highest point ever in 2019, uh, reaching th- over 13,000 applications. But that was uh, the result of a number of factors that we have to discuss. But it wasn't uh, the, the fact that they want to go to Europe. It was more like a, a desperate situation of people wanting to apply, to wanted to leave different conflict zones in, in other countries. They had relatives in Cyprus and they wanted to come to Cyprus. Um, and uh, given that the general context, the, the general situation of managing uh, asylum, primarily in Cyprus, was problematic, the closure and the fact that they could not come to visit um, and to, to exercise their right to family reunification uh, pushed the numbers much higher. So there was it was the networks and connections to Cyprus itself that has increased the the the. Uh, the numbers gradually. Uh, The second factor seems to be uh, the fact that we have uh, a big number of migrants who are actually blocked from exercising various rights that are given um, to to stay, apply because it's such a chaotic uh, asylum system which allows them to kind of prolong their stay as a result. So in the, as a result of this, we have this, uh, this situation where there has been a massive increase in, in the numbers.
0: Where do they, these refugees come from? I mean, by intuition, you would expect a lot of people coming from Syria, being so close to the island. Do you have a breakdown and can you give us an idea where people come from? And then maybe as a follow-up question, how many of them come from the north? And how did this peculiar aspect of the migration situation came about?
1: well the, the largest numbers of applications come from Syria I mean, we have we had two and a half about around two and a half thousand applications last uh, in 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 2019 um, but this is a kind of a, a percentage of, of the of the people it's a small percentage of the 13,000 that we had uh, the general application the second countries and the third are not countries which are generally deemed to be um, um, a refugee producing countries such as uh, Georgia, India, and Bangladesh but the the fourth one which is Cameroon has over about uh, 13, about 1200 people who have applied there is, is a war zone so there are, it, it's a mixed picture uh, which creates a lot of confusion in terms of where, where many people come from there's also a lot of people who are applying from neighbouring uh, uh, situations which are not uh, which are very problematic, like Palestinians. Uh, there's uh, these sort of people who are also uh, applying. Um, Nigeria, uh, Egypt. Again, there are uh, Egyptians who are applying. Um, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. Uh, these uh, these are also countries that are uh, people applying. But there's there's there are the, there are concerns because some of them are actually uh, students who can prolong their stay. Uh, and people who come from the north, and about, it's about 60%, 40%, 60% come from the, used to come from the north because don't, let's not forget that the, since the closure of the checkpoints uh, in March uh, two, 2020, this has stopped. Uh, but uh, they have actually stopped receiving applications for, uh, for asylum since, since March. Uh, they, w- they announced that they will start receiving applications tomorrow. Uh, so this uh, there's a this, this generally confusing uh, situation about uh, where people are coming from, whether they are migrants, whether they're refugees and this creates a, a big uh, um, uh, concern about how people are treated. Many times refugees uh, you know uh, asylum seekers are treated as migrants, many times migrants are treated as refugees and there's a kind of a conflation and, and the big issue about how, uh,
0: how these people should be addressed and how they should be treated. Those who came via the North, are they different in their composition? And what is the story of why did they come from Turkey via the North? I think that needs some explanation.
1: Um, for, for Syrians, for instance, the vast majority of Syrians come from the North. Um, so they they they, would, they the route is to go via Turkey and from Turkey to come to uh, the northern part of South and then come to the south. That that has been the usual route. Now the the interesting. But, sorry, to drop by plane. I understand, right? Most come uh, no, by plane, not, or also by boats. Also by boat. Yeah. Also, by boat. Uh, also by you know by ships. By but there also there are uh, these. Uh, uh, boats which are very, you know, they're not, they're unseaworthy. Often they come from with those via, uh, via the north. But but the the, the interesting story uh, that has happened since the closure, since the pandemic, is the story of the 176 people who came to the south, directly to the south, and they were pushed over to the north in a big, in the first ever recognized, openly acknowledged pushback policy that the republic has. Uh, Operated, they pushed them and they went to the north. Uh, these are 176 people, amongst them around 70 student, 70 children. Uh, most of them had had relatives or are, you know, their husbands or their wives or whatever that are, are actually in the Republic of Cyprus and they wanted to join them as refugees and they weren't allowed. Now they were they were pushed over to the north. The north took them in. Uh, they put them in quarantine and they send them back to Turkey, and from there, they will be sent back to Syria, which raises major concerns about the violation of the, you know, open violation of the non-Ruvenman principle, which is the core of international law, of international protection of, of refugees. Now. We know that this was, this is something we, we said in our report, in the report that I did before, that the government was actually, actually the, the, the minister was actually saying that we should push them, send them back to Turkey, and then the, because Turkey should arrange to send people back where they come from, to Syria, because there's an agreement between EU and Turkey. But this is a major um, problem, because it violates the basic principle of non-Rufal Bund.
0: Before we come back to the, the coronavirus-related uh, impacts on, on right. migration, just a few follow-up questions. So this, this talk of Cyprus as a new migration hotspot and Cyprus as the new route to Europe, is this justified, as many greek Cypriots politicians were alarmingly uh, saying, or is this, in your view, an exaggeration, or how would you kind of uh,
1: see the situation? Look, I think that the government was making up this story because it wanted to squeeze some more funds from the EU uh, to say that, look, you have blocked uh, the situation, you have blocked the other other routes, uh, and now Cyprus is becoming uh, a country which is receiving applications they want to come to to the EU in any case in, in the first place. There is an element of truth in that, in that once you block... The other routes people go and the people are desperate, they will go to the easiest route they find. So there is an element of truth in that. Now but the story that they actually want to come come to uh, the other European countries is, is really a false one. If we look at the numbers and who wants to come and why they want to come to Cyprus, it's not that they are they they have been applying with a view of join of of going to other countries. If you go if you compare people going from instance from 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 Turkey you know Iran Iraqis or uh, Syrians go by Turkey and end up in one of the Greek islands they don't want to stay in Greece they don't want to stay to the Greek islands they don't want to go they don't want to go to Lesbos they want to go to Germany they want to go to Sweden they want to go to But well, they wanted to go to the UK before the UK left the EU uh, so the, the the truth in Cyprus they know that Cyprus is far too much to the east it's not part of Schengen to be able to travel to free, as a free movement. And if you look at their connections and the people who are actually applying, it shows that they, they want to come to Cyprus because they have relatives in Cyprus. They really don't want to. It's not that, they, that Cyprus has a great welfare state that they want to utilize or that they have great opportunities here, but it's better than staying in refugee camps or facing the danger of... Of dying uh, as a result of persecution or wars uh, that people come. So this is this is a, this is this is one of the story. The other part of the story is people who are trying to prolong their stay. People are applying. Uh, they are either students or they are actually poor workers uh, who come here and they want to prolong their stay because of the chaotic and very problematic asylum uh, system that we have. And just just to bear, just to compare this. Cyprus gives only 4% of Syrians full refugee status. The EU average is 60%. So there is an issue. These are Syrians, not from other communities, because Cyprus prefers to give give people the subsidiary protection, which doesn't entitle them to bring their families, doesn't entitle them to a number of benefits, doesn't allow them to to travel around, so it, it, it's, it's a big, it, that's, that shows you that in part is induced by the policies themselves. Uh, but also bear in mind that Cyprus doesn't also implement, there's a blockage in terms of, acquire, for migrants, not just for refugees, to acquire rights. There's a the long-term residence uh, permit, which is supposed to be offered across the EU. Uh, Cyprus doesn't doesn't offer for for the vast majority of migrant workers who've been here for many, many years, uh, this is not an open option for them. So their route is to apply it via uh, to this chaotic long delays with long delays um, asylum uh, system, which takes four to five years uh, to to finish. So it's a it's a very problematic uh, policy framework which reproduces this issue, uh, the problem. So it's not a question of all of a sudden uh, people want to go to Europe and the EU is, 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 you know, is blocking them. But there is an issue that we have to state that there's a lot of pressure on front line, on border countries uh, because of the way Dublin operates. And I think that's an issue for the EU to consider, to revise because there's a lot of pressure And keeping people on the borders, you know, in the kind of creating new hotspots is not the answer to this uh, issue, to to this problem.
0: So, if I understood you correctly, a part of the large numbers is self made in the sense that the only way that family members can join people already living in Cyprus is using the asylum procedures to get there, since there's no legal way. Of uniting families, because very few have the full refugee status. Is this correctly understood, or I mean, did I get it, that
1: wrong? It is a legal way to apply for asylum, but there are two ways. It's either if you if you have a, a, if you are a family member of the recognized refugee, or of somebody who is seeking uh, um, asylum in one country. You can be uh, you can join them, and then you could apply as a family together to get asylum. Uh, Cyprus is not be, has not been very good at this. It has been a very it has tried to stop people from uh, from bringing their families. Uh, therefore, it gave them immediate protection in terms of subsidiary protection, but it stopped them from entitling their families to come over. So as a result of that, you have a number of people who are relatives, you know, uh, if you look at the, the last example that I gave of the, of the people who were on this boat and they were really in danger because they came in terrible conditions, the, all of them, they had their father, I mean, they were, they were children whose father was already a refugee recognised in Cyprus, they, or one of them has an asylum seeker in Cyprus, the first, the first thing they should have done is, okay, you have relatives here, Join the, your parents, join the families here, and then we will consider you as a unit. Because we have now, penned, when we talk about uh, thirteen thousand applicants uh, applications, that involves fifteen hundred people, because it's 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 also their family members. But we have a situation where the the idea is to actually stop people from uh, from family members from joining. Now, when you have these sort of policies. The result is that you have this uh, paradoxical situation that we have described.
0: We're already on this topic. Uh, How effective was the government's migration and asylum policy? Where do you see the major achievements? Where did they do things right? And where are the major flaws? Where are the problems?
1: Look, uh, um, it's it's difficult for me to say where they got it right uh, in terms of a rational um, declared policy because this it leads to a kind of a chaotic situation which does not allow us to kind of think of it as a rational thing. But there are those who benefit from the current situation. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of these refugees, uh, migrants, it's cheap labor. So therefore, you can rationally think that, that a lot of, you know, this has been uh, the, you know, cheap labor around, uh, particularly in a, in a country which has a very, very large informal economy. And the informal economy is estimated to be about twenty-five percent. It's one of the largest in the EU. It's only comparable to Eastern European countries, and according to the OECD, uh, so it's it's a it's a very so presumably there are um, this feeds into the economy, and we know the informal economy, is a function not rather than a malfunction or of the economy as a whole so perhaps there is an explanation there but in terms of a declared policy it's been it's been a major flaw because there are problems of integration of migrants uh, refugees and many of them have a lot of talents uh, and have a lot of skills are forced to go and do the clear clean uh, pig farms and to do uh, uh, the types of jobs uh, that do not correspond to their actually, their skills and their knowledge. You, you would assume that uh, you want to utilize the best people have. Uh, that's what Germany does, I understand. They want people, highly skilled people, to do, get highly skilled jobs. They don't want uh, low skilled people, uh, highly skilled people to get low skilled jobs. Otherwise, you have a, a, you create a, a very irrational situation. This is what we have in Cyprus. When people come in either as refugees Asylum seekers, they seek asylum, or as migrants, they are forced to do the same job irrespective of what skills they have. They are not allowed to change their path. So, if somebody, so you find a lot of highly skilled people doing very, very low skilled jobs, which doesn't make sense. So, instead of having a system of integration which will allow people, to, to to do the kind of jobs that are best suited for them, they are better for the economy, they are better for society. You force them to do these types of jobs. There's no opportunity to kind of uh, very very little scope for uh, for people to be, to for education and training. There's very f- little opportunity for um, um, for family reunification. Now, all these are rights that are provided in the EU framework. The EU migration framework, framework. There are directives. There is very, very little opportunity for them to become uh, citizens of apl- apply for nationality, citizenship, because there are so many barriers. So when you have this sort of this policy, which instead of of operating uh, integration, you don't, uh, you you have a, a major problem. The, the last integration program that was approved uh, finished in 2012. So since 2012. We are now in the beginning, well, we were in the beginning of discussing again to have a new integration program that would bring, uh, utilize funding and opportunities to kind of have, create a rational system. So unless we have a long-term strategy with an integration program that would, Utilize the best of out of everyone, including refugees, including migrants, as well as others in society. We will have this situation, uh, which is chaotic and and uh, and, and reproduces uh, itself uh, as as we are seeing it now.
0: We hmm. yeah, we all have know the pictures of the overcrowded uh, islands of Greece and the terrible conditions refugees live in there. How is how's the situation of migrants in Cyprus, these large numbers? Have they led to similar conditions? Are they all living in camps? What's the condition in the camps like? Can you tell us a bit about
1: well, we have uh, now, only, only yesterday, we had uh, uh, a declaration of the, the closed centre. Uh, I say closed centre, and this, this has to be put in inverted commas because this is not recognised. Uh, EU doesn't recognise another closed centre. There's a detention centre uh, for people to be, uh, for uh, um, irregular migrants who will be deported. There is the reception centre in Kofinu, which is again an overcrowded place, which is supposed now but now closed since the coronavirus uh, measures. And there is a, a new one, uh, not about t- about twenty kilometers away from Nicosia, uh, which was supposed to be a sorting center to assess vulnerabilities. And and they w- they were they are actually building they are actually building now a new, close center, in there. Yesterday the government announced that there has been a seat uh, thirty people infected with. Uh, with uh, scabies and uh, if you read about scabies you, you realize that we're dealing with situation where overcrowding it's a show of bad conditions to appalling uh, conditions of overcrowding uh, when people get infected as a result of that so, uh, only a few days ago, the uh, the office of the Ombudsman, uh, which is supposed to be the independent uh, committee against torture, issued a statement saying that I uh, have issued recommendations and everything is doing very well, the conditions are actually quite good. And then we have, we find about the outbreak of escapees, and then they've, they they've declared this using the same quarantine law that they use for coronavirus. To close Now this hasn't happened in Cyprus since, um, I, I don't remember ever, ever you using it for scapes before. It's, it's the first time ever that this law, which I don't, let's not forget the origin of this. This law was a British law from 1932 and they're invoking the 1932 law of quarantine law. They used it for uh, the coronavirus situation and now they're using it for now. But it's a recognition by the government itself. That the conditions are actually appalling to lead to this, because if you read about this, uh, this um, about how skapes are, how you find is these are in detention centers, in prisons, in hospitals, where there is massive overcrowding and hygiene conditions are problematic.
0: Nikos, we all know and have seen the pictures from the terrible situation of migrants on the on the Greek islands. How is how is the situation of migrants that are living on the island?
1: Well, we have uh, the the persons that are detained uh, are, are in a terrible situation. We're talking about uh, de facto detention now, uh, but uh, even in in even in reception centres, um, there is a, well, there are a few thousands of people who are actually in in this uh, reception centres. So one in Gofinu, um, which is uh, supposed to be an open reception centre, but which has been closed since the pandemic. Um there is another place, a sorting centre, which is supposed to be a very temporary reception centre where, where they will sort out the vulnerabilities, which has now been closed down. It's going to be expanded and it will become another centre for people. And, and the, the government has been talking about making that into a, a closed centre. <coughs> um, the conditions there are very, very bad. In fact, uh, all, only... Uh, a few days ago, uh, it was announced that it's, uh, that there were thirty people with scabies there who have uh, contracted escapes. and I think this is an indication of uh, escapes is only only occurs in overcrowded situations. And it doesn't occur generally, and uh, it has. They have used the same powers uh, that they use for coronavirus to kind of declare the area as and to quarantine uh, the area. Um, and there's uh, there are people who are detained in uh, to be I mean um, irregular migrants detained to be deported uh, in Menoya and there are people in prison uh, and in the other centres um, where they are um, c- uh, police places, um, police uh, detention centres. Um, now the conditions there are very bad. Uh, all the NGOs uh, and the um, UNHCR have been. Uh, have been alarmed by the fact that uh, the basic distancing measures are not occurring they're very much overcrowded and there are uh, serious problems uh, in these uh, in these centers now, but the broader situation of migrants since your question was was broader um we have a situation where there are two categories of migrants the kind of a very small percentage of rich migrants um, highly skilled people who are um, generally doing very well in society and the vast majority of low-skill migrants who are um, doing the, the sort of jobs Cypriots are rejecting, low skilled, low paid, low status jobs. We have a massive informal sector in Cyprus. 25% of the population, 25% of the economy is informal, one of the largest in the EU. And a lot of migrants are working in that, in that area, uh, basically clashing hand and daily survival by the day. Uh, so, in that situation, uh, these people are in a, a, a serious, they have, they there would be a serious problem. They are facing a lot of poverty. There's a, a large percentage of people below the poverty line, and uh, we have um, um, a lot of discrimination faced by these people.
0: Are all asylum seekers in camps, or are some of them out there? What's well, the percentage?
1: Well, the, the people who originally, there were people. Uh, housed in very appalling uh, cheap hotels um, Who were temporarily housed there. and then they were moved out after the coronavirus, uh, after the pandemic They were all moved to Purnara this this place in which is located 20 kilometers away from from Nicosia uh, Temporarily now they're they're all in the in this area. There are asylum seekers who are not in those areas uh, who are living in the cities and there's a very large number of them there's a few homeless uh, asylum seekers around um, but the, the majority of actually they're not staying in the camps, the majority are staying outside the camps um, they're staying in different areas I mean if you think that there are uh, there were f- about f- 15,000 people living uh, who are applied, they're not in camps uh, just for last year I mean overall since 2000 and. And four, there have been 75,000 applications. Many of them have been deported. They're not all around. In Cyprus, we would not have 75 applications pending. But these are all the total amount of applications up to 2019. Uh, the vast majority of, I don't know, thirty, twenty thousand 20,000 people who are there um, waiting in the system, 25,000 are, are not in camps. They're in the cities uh, in different areas.
0: We already talked about... And let's come to the coronavirus uh, <coughs> impact on the situation. How has, how has the virus impacted migration to Cyprus? Has it come to a complete standstill?
1: Yes. The, well, there are two important elements. One is that um, um, in terms of asylum, they have actually stopped receiving asylum applications since the beginning. Now, I in mean, other European countries, um, they have to, they said we will temporarily stop, officially stop, and will resume on this date. Cyprus. Did it without declaring it. The Republic of South stopped receiving applications, um, and now it was announced that it will rec- it will start receiving applications on the twenty first of, of May. Um, so this is uh, this is the first thing that there are a lot of people who want to apply and they couldn't all this time, and this creates also a problem because they could not access any other rights uh, concerning uh, and advice and support over the past few months. Um, and there was um, an issue with uh, with uh, that we have talked about about the new pushbacks. Not these are just not, not just pushbacks uh, on on the sea. There's also pushbacks from the land. You know, people who are, who want to apply for asylum, uh, f- who are in the northern part of the country, the divided country, uh, could not have access. Did not have access to uh, asylum because of the closure. Of the checkpoints, something you you mentioned in the beginning, uh, when the when the when the, the checkpoints in the country were actually shut down. So one of the issues is accessing asylum at the checkpoints in 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 the different in, in areas. There, as far as the broader issue of migration how this has impacted uh, uh, the 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 situation, well, we had there was a stoppage on deportations because of different airports closed down, which meant that there's a lot of pressure on people who are detained. Uh, and the numbers have been growing in the detention uh, places with the dangers that, uh, that we know. Um, and then there is the broader issue of a lot of people who are working in, in, in poor conditions in, in the informal economy. There's, if twenty five percent of the economy is informal and it's made up of migrants, these people have been are are are, they are really really in in poverty. Uh, there's been an announcement by the Network of Poverty, which talks about uh, the possibility of, of we're facing probably the worst ever poverty crisis uh, that we ever faced in Cyprus because of, of all these people. Um, there's uh, been um, a problem also with the way in which uh, migrants are being treated and how they were disproportionately affected by the free movement uh, um, provisions. Um, I, re- I mean, having um, finding someone for 300 euros who gets 300 as a monthly pay is different. 300 euros as a monthly pay is different from finding somebody who is. Uh, gets uh, 2,000, 3,000 uh, so that it has a disproportional effect. But not only that, a lot of the migrants have been gone around, asylum seekers, have not been informed about how to access um, the right to move around. So the result of that is that these people were, were uh, arrested or for violating the free movement uh, restrictions. Uh, and they have, have been charged uh, with that, but I think there's, there's also an additional element there, and this has to do with the fact that uh, the, um, um, in terms of the measures of solidarity that was that were offered to most uh, people, and we know that there have been a number of uh, um, support uh, measures that are, are important. A lot of these people have not been receiving them because. They're working in the, formal, in the formal economy. But we also know that frontline workers are most badly hit um, in different ways. I mean, on the one hand, they, they become essential. So the, the delivery people allowed us, and they, they were made up by all primarily migrants, they allowed us to stay at home and enjoy the security for that we did. But, uh, you know, delivery people or people working in farms. They were carried. They carried on working whilst we actually enjoyed the security of 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 of, the, of dealing with that. And people working in bakeries, primarily migrants. Um, we, we we don't have the same situation. Nurses. Some of the nurses are also migrants in in Cyprus. We don't have doctors as we have uh, as the NHS has in the UK uh, who who are migrants. Very few, uh, but we do have this issue. So it does bring this to a kind of, it makes us think about what is essential what is not. Much of the work that migrants do is actually essential work for our survival. It has proved this and it's a question of actually recognising this type of work. And I think that if there is something to think about the future is to think of how to extend solidarity. So how do we extend our support and recognition for things and people who are performing tasks Uh, that we we want to continue.
0: That's, I think, a great closing point to make in a very, very interesting conversation. Nikos, thank you so much for coming to the office. This was a podcast of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation in Cyprus. Hope you listen to our other podcasts. Stay safe, stay healthy. Goodbye.